Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. It's the preview podcast for the biggest game, quite honestly, in probably Ford Stadium history as SMU welcomes Cincinnati 8 o'clock Central Time ESPN 2 to Ford Stadium, a matchup of the number 16 and number 9 teams in the country. I think we're in for a dandy on Saturday night, but first guys, I've got to get you updated on SMU picking up its second basketball commitment of the year. We are going to just spend a few minutes on Zurich Phelps, the Duncanville point guard who opted to go ahead and stay home in Dallas and play for SMU. I've got to say 6'3", 180 pounds. The offer list, I'll be quite honest, isn't going to wow you. And in this case, I've got to give a lot of credit to Tim Jankovic and Jay Duncan, who really identified him over the course of the spring and summer, quietly recruited him the whole time, and at this point, he was ready to go ahead and make his commitment. And I think, for one, you know, SMU had recruited Wade Taylor out of Lancaster for quite some time. He ends up going to Texas A&M. But the thing that impresses me about Zurich Phelps is he really stood out against some top top competition this summer playing for Texas Impact. And while college coaches weren't allowed to go out and scout, Jay Duncan did a really nice job of continuing to just watch him on the live feeds and talking with a lot of area coaches that played against him. And all of them really told him, this is a guy that you've got to be going after. And sure enough, I mean, they end up getting him committed. Like I said, they quietly recruited him. They knew that, you know, once Wade Taylor ended up at Texas A&M, that was kind of the guy that they wanted to go and get. And sure enough, just shortly thereafter, uh, he was on board with the staff. And, you know, don't just take it from me. Brandon Jenkins, who's one of our national recruiting analysts at 24-7 Sports, went and saw him play this summer and and really also in the fall and talked about him just in the last month as somebody who, outside of the top 150 in our rankings, that could be A, poised for a big rise, and also to see his recruitment take off, especially if he would have taken it late. But now SMU is going to get him to sign early. I think that's a big thing for his recruitment. Uh, because look, I mean, in basketball, once you get a commitment, for the most part, it sticks. Uh, but SMU getting him early before I think a lot of the coaches would have seen him play on what is a loaded Duncanville squad is big. And so they did a really nice job recruiting him. I think now you see the return of the bigger backcourt that SMU has been missing for the most part over the last few years uh, since Shake Milton um, left the program and and that's kind of been the big thing is is getting some size in there some length some athleticism and and that was what um, really uh, stood out to me when they got Zurich Phelps now he's not 6'6 like Shake Milton but he's supposedly 6'4 uh, right now I haven't verified that but he's at least 6'3 Jalen Smith is 6'5 that we know uh, the second com- the, he was the first commitment in the class of 2021 for SMU but Zurich Phelps, top 10 prospect in the state of Texas, which is impressive, uh, both on the composite and on 24-7 sports. So somebody that a lot of people are high on right now, I think he could see a rankings boost. Uh, we'll have to continue to see how he plays in the fall. But just know, I mean, he's been spotlighted and he's been uh, talked up by a lot of people that have seen a lot of basketball in this state 
Um, so a nice pickup for Tim Jankovic and the staff uh, to go along with the 2021 class. Now we'll see where they go from here. Obviously, there's a chance they could have the entire team back uh, next year, but I don't think you're going to see that happen. I think you're going to see some of these guys certainly move on. I mean, you got the potential. Uh, I would think Tyson Jolly moves on. I think Will Douglas is a candidate to move on. Uh, he's a senior. And then you've got two in the front court that are seniors as well. But still, they'll, they're going to have to play around with their numbers and see, you know, obviously where things go uh, and how they address the rest of the 2021 class. I think you could see some junior college guys in there as well. So SMU picks up commitment number two in Zurich Phelps, a player that is a top 10 prospect in Texas. Now, back to football. SMU taking on Cincinnati on Saturday in Ford Stadium, a game that uh, if you're checking the ticket prices right now, it, it's uh, it's not an easy one to get into. Let's just say that. It is uh, an expensive ticket. It's about, uh, I was checking for some friends. Uh, right now, it's about 170 bucks just to get in the building. And you can't buy one or two tickets. You've got to buy three, four or so tickets. So it's uh, certainly a tough ticket to get, which is understandable. But let's talk about this matchup. And to set the stage for you, and we will, on the other side of the break, talk with Brandon Seho from WLWT uh, in um, in Cincinnati, a local sports reporter who uh, covers the Bearcats um, and uh, was also my roommate when I lived in Baton Rouge. He is... Uh, going to join us and talk a little bit about the Bearcats just like he did last year uh, and or excuse me in, in 2018 uh, he joined the pod I should say and, and I think he's been on to talk you know, basketball since then but anyway Cincinnati had its game last weekend against Tulsa postponed due to positive COVID tests and really some contact tracing and they haven't played since early October so this is a situation where you're kind of facing a team that is similar to the Memphis situation. Haven't played in a while. Um, now, they've played three games. They played Austin P. They played Army, and they played USF. And I would say they haven't been overly impressive, and especially at the quarterback position, Desmond Ritter. Uh, he's coming off a game where he threw two two touchdowns and three interceptions against a US team, USF team that nobody's really going to write home about. So I think this is a game that, and Chad Brendel, when you read our Q&A with our Cincinnati site, kind of made this point uh, as well where, you know, what Desmond Ritter are you going to get? And the thing about it is, is they are going to get uh, Alec Pierce, one of their big play wide receivers back. He missed the first three games. And then they're, they've got some other wide receivers that at least look the part. But what Desmond Ritter are you going to get? Because he is uh, certainly somebody who can run the ball and he, he can you know, make plays with his feet at times. But the the loss of Mike Warren yeah, running back, it, it's, it can't be understated. He's had to do a lot more, uh, you know, in terms of passing the ball. They haven't done as much RPO this year. So it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup in terms of how SMU pressures him. Obviously, they made Michael Pratt look somewhat average in I think after the first quarter he really didn't do too much for Tulane from there and now he's a true freshman making his second career start Desmond Ritter is a veteran quarterback in this conference I would think there's a chance uh, we could see Cincinnati go to the backup and uh, that would be certainly uh, something to watch for especially uh, because look I think one SMU has made some some quarterbacks look 
you know, who are average look really good. Uh, and that is something that you always, you know, look at. I think somebody said it on our board this week that, uh, you know, SMU's really made a, a, a killing off of that at times. But Ben Bryant is somebody who's playing at a high level. I do wonder if there's a chance that uh, SMU could see him. He's another dual threat guy. He's completing, you know, he's he's kind of limited in what he's done. Um, but I'm interested to see how long of a leash Desmond Ritter has because he hasn't been particularly good this year uh, so far for Cincinnati. But I think for SMU, on the flip side of things, the quarterback, Shane Bouchelle, is going to have to really play smart, just like he did against Tulane. I think he wants some throws back, but it was also a pretty windy day from what we've been told and obviously what it was in, in Tulane. That that maybe had some effect on some of his balls. Uh, but, you know, the, the weather on Saturday is supposed to be pretty good. You know, high of 63 uh, partly cloudy. I think it's going to be a great day for football, a great evening for football, I should say. But what are you going to get from Shane Bouchelle? Because Cincinnati's secondary is just terrific. I mean, they're a really, really good group that, you know, while they haven't played anyone this year, they're one of uh, one of the better uh, secondaries in the country, just flat out. I mean, between talent and what they've been able to do uh, over the last couple of years, they're always a good unit. And that is... Uh, Really, the the thing that stands out to me is that battle between SMU's receivers, who are three of them are coming off hundred yard performances, and then you look at the secondary of Cincinnati. They haven't really been tested too much this year. So, what's that matchup going to look like? Can Shane Bouchelle be as explosive as he was and and stack up the stats like he did against Memphis? But can SMU finish drives? And I'm with Chad Brendel on this one. It's I think the the perfect storm for SMU is getting to that 31-34 range because Cincinnati's offense hasn't really shown the ability to get to that number. Uh, I mean, they again, they haven't really played anyone to write home about just yet, but against USF, kind of a ho-hum 28-7 win. I know it was your first conference game and things like that, but that's usually a team that you should be able to take care of business against. So for SMU, I think there are some plays out there for them. This is a Cincinnati team that hasn't faced an SMU offense like this. But if they can get something going on the ground, if they can protect Shane Bouchelle, I think that's going to allow him to make some plays. And again, I think that sweet spot of, you know, 30, 34, 31 points should be enough to get the win against Cincinnati. I don't think we're in for a track meet here. I could totally be wrong. But, uh, you know, Shane Bouchelle in this offense, they've just found a way when you need it most. Uh, to score points and to to make the drive, you know, to to put together the the drive you need. We saw it against Memphis. Obviously, they got help in overtime against Tulane, um, and and I thought the play calling at the end of regulation against Tulane didn't help them much when lining up for that Chris uh, Nagar field goal. But um, you know, even then, that that one clanked off the post. You, that you you go if, if the wind kind of sways a little bit the other way, that's in, and you know that game doesn't really go to overtime. But anyway, I I think. With SMU's kind of mentality, their toughness this year, I like SMU in this one. Uh, I think the biggest the biggest guy for me could very well be Kylan Granson in this game. I mean, if you get him, uh, you know, some 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 early targets, make the defense really pay attention to him. Obviously, he gets the respect from pretty much every defense. But he is just so talented. If you can get him involved, that'll open things up for Danny Gray. That could open up the running game a little bit more. 
Uh, that that's I'm going with D- Kylan Granson as my X factor. SMU is getting Justin Osborne back at right guard. That's big. Um, while two, uh, while excuse me, Cincinnati is going to be missing one of their starting linemen, Jeremy Cooper. Uh, their starting left guard is going to be out for this one. Uh, seems like he's staying back due to COVID. We'll find out what Cincinnati has available to them just overall in terms of who's home due to contact tracing and whatnot. But Vegas has SMU as a favorite here in this one. And uh, look, I'm going to go with SMU. I'm going to go 34-27. I think SMU is going to be able to make enough stops. I think Shane Bouchelle is going to score enough. I know that that kind of sounds like a wide margin for what this game is probably expected to be, but I think at home, SMU is going to have an edge. I know it's 7,500 or whatever, but if the student section works out, I mean, if Ford was popping off when when things were going well against Memphis, the students were into it. They've got the new pod set up for them. I, I think we're in for a terrific night. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, when SMU's beaten Houston in the past. You know, it always seems to come at night on a big stage in Ford and look SMU is uh, you know that they haven't lost in Ford in, in quite some time so uh, another chance to continue to protect the home field I think SMU is going to do it and take this one 34 uh, 27 over Cincinnati so with that guys we're going to go way more in depth on the Bearcats find out a lot more about them on the other side of this break from the Pony Stampede podcast a quick reminder guys I want to give you a heads up on two things one you can always subscribe for just a buck for your first month and get on board with Pony Stampede. We're at an all-time high in subscriptions. Highly recommend that. But we're going to have a huge promo next week to cap October and get you set for not only basketball season, uh, you know, if you're interested in that, but really the stretch run of SMU season. Don't be afraid to give that a try. Big promo coming next week, so check that out. But with that, we're going to go right now to my interview with Brandon Seho from WLWT in Cincinnati to break down SMU Cincinnati. We'll be right back after this quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Got a special guest, a returning guest for us on the podcast, jumping in now to talk SMU Cincinnati. Please welcome WLWT's Brandon Seho. Brandon, you've been up in Cincinnati now for well over a year, back home covering the Bearcats and all the sports there in Cincinnati. What's been the feel around the program uh, over this past week and a half since the the positive COVID test, and and how do we get back to the point of you know the Bearcats being ready to travel to travel to Dallas? Well, I think the the mood around the program before we knew that there was a COVID positive case or a few po- uh, positive COVID cases with UC was hey, this is a top 10 team. This is their best team in 10 years. They're getting ready to go take on a Tulsa team that gave Oklahoma State all they can handle and then upset UCF on the road. So that was a game they were really excited about. They're also very excited about this week going down to Dallas and getting back on the field. In between that, last week it comes out that they're going to have to postpone the game in Tulsa because of positive COVID-19 testing uh, test results with Cincinnati players. And it was kind of a – it wasn't a shocker because nothing can shock you in 2020. But – and it's happened around college football this year. But I I think the mood was just kind of like, wait, really? Like we're – we have a a game at noon on ESPN that – and it's the first time they've been in the top 10 in 10 years. And there's a lot of excitement around the program. So I think 
from a fan perspective, uh, they weren't <laughs> obviously excited. The game was canceled. And then when we talked to head coach Luke Fickle uh, on Tuesday of this week, I don't think he was excited either. And I got that sense when they originally canceled it. Now he told us that it was less players than you would think tested positive for COVID-19. He wouldn't go into specifics, obviously for HIPAA reasons and privacy of those players. But as of now, there are no positive COVID-19 cases at Cincinnati. Uh, he said that if it were up to him, he, and he thinks any coach would be like this, you want to play. You want to play the game. He thinks they could have played uh, is basically what he told us earlier this week about the Tulsa game. But he understands there are medical professionals in the conference making this decision. So he lets, uh, what did he say, cooler heads uh, make the decision, I think is what he told us. So uh, he, he's happy to get back on the field. He, he's interested to see what his guys look like because they haven't played in three weeks. After that USF win, they had a bye week and then the unplanned bye week with the COVID cases coming up before Tulsa. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Cincinnati team comes to play in Dallas. Was, was there a sense that you got that, yeah, they didn't want to postpone the game by any means? And I think I'm with you on that, and I'm with Coach Fickle, too, because, you know, with how it could play out over the rest of the season, who knows how backed up the end of the season gets, who knows what they have to do in terms of shifting if it happens again, not just for Cincinnati, but another team. What What's your sense around their, their I guess, ability to prepare for this game and, and what they've been able to accomplish over this this extended amount of time that they've had? I think they have had more than enough time, obviously, to game plan once they knew the Tulsa game wasn't happening. Uh, they've been on the practice field. The guys that are out uh, or that were out, you know, there's no more negative tests. Um, so they should be full go when they go down to Dallas this weekend. And my understanding uh, was that, like like Coach Fickle said, it wasn't, it was guys maybe they could have – that wouldn't even have affected the game. So uh, because, you know, either they're young or don't get a lot of playing time, but because of the safety measures in place and the protocols, which he gives credit to the university, and they, he says, you know, they have some of the best people when it comes to uh, their procedures and keeping everybody safe. Uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be ready to go, and, and this offense, you know, they're excited to get back out on the field, especially – a guy like Des Ritter who has had his ups and downs this season. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's looks good at times, but he's also overthrown, been off. Uh, you know, the offensive line has given him time. He has weapons. It's just, um, you know, he's got six touchdowns, four interceptions. He, he's, he's a guy that's a three-year starter now and has won some big games. But I think not just him, but, these guys want to get out and prove that they are a top 10 team and, and to get to do it against the conference foe that's in the top 20. Now, I think any rust that you think might be there, maybe uh, it'll be more of adrenaline that affects them more than, you know, any rust. Yeah. And let, let's, let's talk about that offense that is, is looking to get back out there in the past. I mean, it, it's been potent. It's been, it's been, you know, explosive in all accounts, but, Desmond Ritter is coming off a game where, you know, through two, two touchdowns through three interceptions in the same, same token, you know, against South Florida, their AAC debut this year. Um, obviously the extended amount of time had gives them time to get things right and get things cleaned up. But what's kind of the sense of this offense heading into this game? 
You know, I think it's still Dez's Des offense. Um, you know, Ben Bryant is a very, very good quarterback that is number two on the depth chart right now. But he started in the game down in Memphis last year. And, you know, he's got a strong arm. He's got a little better accuracy than Dez, but he's not as mobile as Dez. Dez can get outside of the pocket and make plays with his feet. So I, I think Dez is the guy. Um, I don't expect Fick to tell anybody if Ben Bryant's going to be playing uh, against SMU this weekend. Now, now Bryant always has plays that come – he might come in for two or three plays of the game just because certain packages are designed for him. But, uh, you know, I think this offense is just waiting to put everything together. And really the guy that, that has propelled them this year is Jared Dokes. When you lose Michael Wolf. guy who comes in and has had three touchdown games and 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 is just dominating on the ground I think that helps a lot and then on the outside uh, they have very very good wide receivers but the problem has been can Des be accurate and get the ball to them so I, I think that's the key if the if the passing game is on point on Saturday uh, SMU's defense I think we'll see something that defenses haven't had haven't had to deal with yet which is both the run and pass game being uh, you know one in, one in each other and working together the Bearcats have used the run a lot to open things up and they've been successful on the ground but Des hasn't made those big play passes yet this season or most of the time he hasn't so I think that it, it, it all relies on Des and his accuracy and him working with the wide receivers and tight ends in this game. And you mentioned some of the big pass plays they've been able to hit. SMU's very similar in that regard, an explosive group of receivers. This Cincinnati secondary, though, is going to be probably, I would say, the best that they face all season long. Talented bunch. Uh, this team always plays really hard defensively. Uh, a lot of people are kind of pegging this game to be in the 30s and not, you know, a track meet by any means. And I think I'm kind of with them in that regard. But set the stage for the Bearcats defense. What makes them so good and, and what do they have to do to slow down this SMU offense? Well, I, the first thing with the Cincinnati defense is their secondary. They have one of the best secondaries in the country and they have guys that have, that have had success, you know, over the past couple of years, James Wiggins, he's a guy who got hurt. He's just a, a freak when it comes to his body. He looks, he looks like the Hawk. He's a, he's a great, great uh, free safety for them. But then Sauce Gardner, he was a freshman last year, made the game-clinching interception against UCF, uh, a guy that obviously because of the name people are going to uh, recognize. But Kobe Bryant, um, he, he's another great uh, DB for this team. Arquan Bush, I mean, they just have – they have so much talent in that not just – in the secondary, but also at linebacker up front, there is, but the, the secondary is really where you're not going to beat this team over the top. I mean, they have, you know, interception after interception this year in their three games. And I, I don't think they faced an offense that can, that can put up points like SMU yet. But like you said, I don't know if SMU's seen a, a defense or a secondary group quite like you see. So I think that'll be a really cool battle to see the SMU, how they get, how they get 
creative on offense against the defense that's physical and doesn't let you beat them over the top. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's that's what I'm watching closest out of this whole game. And we we saw SMU get some big plays out of Danny Gray and Rasheed Rice and Kylan Granson last week against Tulane, and they certainly did that in the early goings against Memphis as well. Uh, missing Reggie Robertson in this game will obviously, uh, as they will for the rest of the year, uh, hurt them in that regard. But yeah, that's going to be the matchup to watch. Uh, you don't have to give a score prediction, but what are your thoughts on the game? How do you think it plays out overall? I'm with you on the in the 30s range. I it is going to be a big factor with two the two big things: what Cincinnati's defense does to SMU, and if they can contain them. And on the flip side, if Desmond Ritter can be the best version of Desmond Ritter at the quarterback spot for Cincinnati. I would say somewhere in the range of 20s to 30s. You're putting me on the spot. I'll go Cincinnati 27 to 21. Okay. All right. So a little bit of a defensive battle in the AAC expected Saturday night at 8 o'clock Central on ESPN2. I'm going to go with SMU as uh, Brandon. You're probably not surprised by that, but – I do think they find a way to put enough points on the board to beat out Cincinnati. I think Desmond Ritter's you know, turnovers from the last game are probably the, the biggest thing that stands out to me. I think the team that doesn't turn the ball over in this game, and I know it's cliche, but the team that wins the turnover battle or, or plays the cleanest is probably going to come out with this one because they're, they're two really, really good football teams just overall. Yep, yep. No, I agree with you. And uh, for anyone listening, just re- remember this is a battle of uh, past roommates. Billy went to SMU. I went to Cincinnati. So there's a lot riding on this game. Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be uh, whoever wins, I guess, uh, we'll, we'll have to treat it Holy Grail or, or somewhere in Dallas next time we get up. I get up to Cincinnati, you get down to Dallas. Sounds good to me, brother. All right. Well, thanks for joining uh, this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Guys, we'll be back with all your post-game coverage. A quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the Pony Stampede podcast. For now, Uh, We'll just leave you with the rest of our coverage of SMU Cincinnati, Saturday night, 8 o'clock Central on ESPN2. Thanks for listening to this edition.